there's more to this life than I thought. And James inspires me. The things he says have encouraged me. It's like there's a walk, there's a path, and it's leading to something more real than I've ever known before. And it's exciting. I get around James and I hear things that help me in my life, my work. This work he talks about has become my work. I am excited about the possibility that other people could be affected, other people could be inspired to work on themselves, to grow, to, to realize there's more to this life. Man can be awake or asleep in life. The funny thing about that is he doesn't really look much different. Not a whole lot changes if man is awake or asleep in life. You can't look at somebody as a rule and judge by their appearance whether they're awake or asleep. Now, of course, in some areas you can. If they're asleep on a bed, you can. But that's not the kind of awake or asleep that, that I'm talking about. A shock can bring us to our senses, putting us on a new path. I got a shock for you. I'm going to read to you from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 20. For some people who don't need any God, and for some people who are opposed to religion, and for some people who think the Bible is hooey, I can tell you why. I can tell you it's because they don't understand that it's an esoteric book, that it has meaning that cannot be taken, that should not, that can be taken literally, but was not intended to be taken literally for those who want more than just the literal. I wanted to say that without making anybody wrong. I don't want to make man one, two, or three wrong. I don't want to make man number five, six, or seven wrong. I don't want to make man number four wrong. I don't want to make anybody wrong. What I want to do is I want to try and get you to understand that just because you have old associations and just because you have reactions to things doesn't mean that you can't work through them, that you can't get beyond them. In Luke chapter 15, starting with verse 11, Jesus is telling this story. And he says, a certain man had two sons. Now, you know this is a story because he says, a certain man. He doesn't tell you which man. He said, you know, Bob Jones had two sons. Or, you know, uh, uh, Jaime uh, Levi had two sons. He's not saying that. He's saying a certain man. And this is esoteric parable speak for, look, this is a story it's not to be taken literally. You need to listen with your heart. You need to listen with more than your ears now. You need to understand that I'm telling you something important here. A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. And he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. Well, what country? Where did he go? I mean, you know, did he go to Samaria? Did he go to uh, Egypt? Where did he go? It doesn't matter where he went. You see, that doesn't matter because this isn't a literal story. It's a story to try and tell us something about our own internal kingdom, our own internal operation. He went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living. Well, what did he do exactly? Well, it doesn't matter. He squandered his estate with loose living. Have you ever squandered your estate with loose living? Oh, yeah, well, I used to drink and I used to run around. No, 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 no. It's not literal. Have you ever allowed your force to just be drained away through negative emotions? Yes. Oh, well, there you go. That's squandering your estate through loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, when he didn't have any force left, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. 
And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, you have to understand that Jesus is talking primarily to Jews in this time that he's telling this story. And swine was not something that Jews ate or touched because they were unclean according to their law. So this is an odious thing. So he wants to get across that this guy was so down and out. This guy was so depleted of energy, so depleted of force, so depleted of better eyes and higher influences that he ended up in a foreign country feeding pigs in a field. And he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. So that's the story that Jesus told. And he was trying to get a message across to people who want to get control over themselves, to know themselves, to be able to control themselves, to be able to be master of themselves. Identifying with life's troubles, being negative, jealous, unhappy. All of this, this message is saying, is pig's food. And it's pig food to the cells in the body. Self-remembering instantly means better food for all the cells of the body. When you are depressed, unhappy, what is your body language like? Can you tell by looking at someone? Can you tell by looking at someone, by the, looking at their face when they're depressed or when they're happy? Yes, of course you can. You can tell depressed people will look a little dark, shadowy, shady. And people that are happy or in love often glow. The cells in their body actually are different. You see, what we don't understand, what we fail to understand, literally, is that these people who had this higher teaching, these people who had this wisdom, this esoteric wisdom, this esoteric knowledge, they knew so much more than we know in our scientific technological world. They had things put together long before we ever imagined that there were things to put together. While we were still looking at the literal, they had already discovered the internal. While we were still connected to the world through our five senses, they had already found self-observation. They had already charted the inner kingdom. Just one act of self-remembering in the midst of life's uproar gives new force. You have this experience already. You have, I had one this morning, Do you remember? I was driving here and I was negative. And my car slid out because the roads were wet. And I thought, this is because I'm negative. That was a moment of self-remembering. In that moment, I realized that I was not remembering myself, that I was allowing a negative state to drive the car and drive me. And as soon as I realized that, everything changed. One act of self-remembering in the midst of whatever negative state we're in, and that's what life's uproar is, negative states, gives us new force. And it did give me new force. 
everything began to feel a little bit lighter because the cells have received a higher class of food. Self-remembering is a higher class of food than negative emotions, than negative states. Just that simple. The body needs right food from its psychology. Depressing, negative, worrying, anxious states aren't fit for a pig. Petty, self-emotions, disliking, and boredom retard the right work of cells, and that will make us actually sick. Well, that's psychosomatic medicine. Yes, and there's something to it. And if there weren't something to it, they wouldn't need double-blind tests for drugs because they give somebody a placebo and they get better because they think they're, because they think they're taking medicine. So they have something they call the placebo effect. And they have to account for that. They have to say that certain amount of people who receive just nothing, but they thought it was medicine, got the same results from the people who took the medicine. And it's because our psychology affects our body. It doesn't just affect our body language, but it affects each cell in the body because our psychology has to be fed and it's food to work on ourselves. To transform our behavior by an act of self-remembering actually changes the body chemistry. How do you think DNA changes? We know that DNA changes, is that correct? We do know this? You didn't know that? How do you think if, if evolution is real, then how do you think you got out of a tree? if your DNA didn't change. Just one little change, not much. We share, what, 90-some percent of our DNA with a tree? Well, what's the difference? Well, just a little difference. Just a little twist here, a little strand there, a little connection there. But how do you think the DNA changes? Our psychology affects it. It's not just through reproduction, selective breeding. It's also our psychology. People's psychology, you look at someone who is always depressed, always bent over, and they grow that way. Their spine will actually grow that way. You ever heard of a dowager's hump? That's something that people do with habitual states. The first step on the path home is finding what self-remembering means and realizing that we don't remember ourselves. What does self-remembering mean? It means I remember that I have the right not to be negative. That I don't have to be dragged around by every negative state, by every negative thought, by every negative feeling that washes over me, that comes to me, by every event, by everything that somebody says or doesn't say. That I have the right not to be affected by that. If you can remember that, you're well on your way to a real act of self-remembering. If we flatter ourselves as being all right, just as we are, then we're squandering our estate, just the same way the young son in the parable squandered his estate. He flattered himself to thinking he was okay just the way he was. He didn't need to do anything. Father, look, I, I, I just, I'm, I'm fine just the way I am. Just give me what's mine, and then I'm going to go live my life. Father said, okay, and off he went. And what happened? Well, he thought he was fine just the way he was. The next thing he knew, he was in need and there was a famine, and he was longing to fill his belly with the pods that he was feeding to the pigs. He was so down and out that pig food looked good. It looked appetizing. It's been a long time since any of us have been that hungry. But have you ever been so hungry internally, psychologically, for a, a wisp, a shred of light, a breath of fresh air? 
that almost anything looked good? That's not such a bad place. See, we all think about, oh, what a horrible place to be. Oh, that poor son, what a horrible place to be. But you remember how the story ends. He's the son who ends up a lot better off than the one who stayed home. One who stayed home, stayed home thinking he was owed and thinking he, he was internally considering. And this son of yours that went and spent all your money and this son of yours. He said, look, you had it all, all the time, but you took it all for granted. It didn't mean a thing to you, but he threw it all away. And then he realized what he didn't have. And then he came to himself. You see, he got that low. He got that into that foreign country. He got so low that he came to his senses. He came to himself. He remembered himself. That's what that means. It means he remembered himself. Well, sometimes it takes what it takes. And sometimes what it takes for us to remember ourselves is to be really negative. But you're not supposed to be negative. No one ever said that. No one ever said you can't be negative. You have the right to be negative. Go ahead, be negative. Be as negative as you want. What this work says is you have the right not to be negative. You have the right not to be negative. It doesn't mean that you can just not be negative anytime you want. It means you have the right not to be negative. But this isn't a right that just is given to you. Any right that's given to you, you have the right to go to school. You have the right to be anything you want to be in America. How many people do it? How many people who are born in America have the right to be president, end up president? Fortunately, very, very few. <laughs> because we see what our presidents do. You have a lot of rights. But that doesn't mean you, can't, you don't have to work to get what that right gives you. And see, this whole idea of entitlement, oh, well, it should be just dropped in my lap, that doesn't work here. And that's what this story is trying to get across. See, the, the son who stayed at home, he figured he had the right to all of it. Well, it's all mine. It's all, he had the right to all of it and took it all for granted. The other one, he said, well, I have the right to half of it. He got what was his and left. Blew it all and then came back. Starving, looking like mm, pig's food looks pretty good to me. If we flatter ourselves, we'll squander our estate because that's what flattering ourselves is. It's allowing our force to go into self-emotions, allowing our energy to go into self-emotions, which never do the real of us any good because self-emotions are always based on the false personality. Our path home remains closed to us. Well, what is our path home? Our path to our higher possibilities, our path to real I, our path to what we were meant to be, what we have a right to be. Our path is closed to us when we squander our estate thinking we're just fine the way we are. As long as you think you're fine the way you are, you're never going to do anything to change. You're never going to do anything differently and you will stay the way you are. And if that's fine with you, Lucky you. I mean, really, how many of you have not looked at other people who were just out there doing whatever they wanted to do and didn't have a clue what they were like? How many of you have looked at them and gone, that doesn't look so bad to me? <laughs> when you are right in the slough of despond, as it were, when you realize what a mess you really are, when you realize your nothingness, when you realize your mechanicalness, when you realize your inability to do, when you realize that every time you open your mouth, you're going to wish you'd kept it shut. When you're there, those other people look great. I want some of that. Give me some of that. In fact, I'll take all of that. They can have all of this. Or nobody can have all of this. Because it looks better. It looks easier. That's squandering your estate. 
We've got to come to our senses. We're living with the pigs in the basement of ourselves when we're thinking how, oh, I'm just fine the way I am. I don't need to change. Look at all these other people. They're, they're the ones that need to change. We're living in the basement of ourselves with the pigs. So we've got to come to our senses, seeing that we're a function of external conditions. What does that mean? We're a function of external conditions. It means that when something happens externally, it affects us. That it's like a war comes along, the war button is pushed, and we are affected. We have no choice. It means that somebody comes in and tells us, oh, your sister Rose is dead, and we are affected. We have no choice. How many people have gotten false reports? I remember that, remember that uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Dracula goes to war. Dracul goes to war, and he leaves his, uh, his new wife at home in the castle. But the Turks send this message saying that he's been killed. She got the false message that he'd been killed. She was so distraught, she threw herself into the river and killed herself. Remember the story? But then he came home. But she was already dead because she believed the false message. She didn't verify it herself. And this is how we live our lives. Not because she could, not because she had a choice. She didn't have any choice. Any more than we have a choice. Because we're driven by external conditions. Just in the same way that a machine is driven by a belt. In the same way the back wheel of a bicycle or a motorcycle is driven by a chain or a belt. It doesn't have any choice. It's got to do whatever the belt makes it do. And that's how we are in life. But we don't see that. We flatter ourselves thinking, well, no, I'm not like that. I can do. I can do anything I want to do. I think we've talked about that before, haven't we? Yeah, but look at it for an instant. When things in life, external conditions are disagreeable, we're upset, we're bored, we're unhappy, we're negative in some way. When the things in life are agreeable, then we're excited and enthusiastic. We don't do anything to create our own life. We're helpless machines. We're just allowing this and that. And it's not even allowing. It's like if we had a choice, we wouldn't allow it. If you had a choice, would you be negative? But yet we think we do. We think we choose to be negative. We think we choose to be downcast. We think we choose to be unhappy. And here are some of the little trite sayings we have for that. Well, unless you have some pain, you can't appreciate some, the pleasure. Well, unless you have hunger, you can't appreciate food. Well, unless you have this, you can't have that. We live in this world of opposites, and we justify the world of opposites by going back and forth on the pendulum, by swinging back and forth all the time, living on the pendulum, living in opposites. So we end up nobodies because nothing is being created in us. We have no power to transform situations. So you get the message that your sister Rose is dead. And you go, oh, my sister Rose is dead. And I just talked to her the other day. Oh, I wish I'd told her that I love her. You have no power to transform the situation. You have to take it the only way you can take it because you're a machine. We're identified with everything that happens living in opposites, all because we don't remember ourselves. We don't learn what it means to work on ourselves. The shocks in life come and go. Your sister Rose dies, your mother dies, your father dies, the dog dies, the bird dies. Something happens. The stock market goes up, the stock market goes down, you lose your job, you get a job, you have to move, you don't have to move. It doesn't matter. Shocks keep coming and going in life, and yet we don't come to our senses because we take ourselves for granted. So yes, we end up in a far country and we end up eating pig's food. 
but we don't come to our senses. The shocks don't matter to us. We don't ever take anything until the day that we do. And that's a horrible day because it's the greatest day of your life. But we call it a horrible day because we don't feel good. Because we judge how we are doing by how we feel. Not by how we're doing, but by how we feel. Not by our goal or our aim, but how we feel. Not by where we've been, where we intend to go, and where we are, and is it in the right direction, but how we feel. And we say we're not machines. Self-remembering depends on a sense of something higher in yourself. We've got to get up and go there. See, this younger son, he finally came to his senses, and he said, look, in my, father, my, my, fire, my father's hired men have all the bread that they want. And I'm starving to death here. I'll go. I'll get up and go to my father. I'll say, look, I, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. Just hire me to work for you. I'll be happy to just work for you like one of your hired hands. That is coming to ourselves. But we have to get up and go. How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father. Something higher. What is that something higher? Where is that something higher? It doesn't matter. There's a higher influence. There are bigger eyes, better eyes that we can turn to. That's what the decision is. I don't have to be here. I have a right not to be negative. I can reach something higher. I can remember that there is something higher in myself. I can remember that this self that is living in this pigsty, that this self that is living in the basement, of my own psychology right now, that this self is not me. I can remember myself, this something that I don't know, this something higher, we'll call it my father. At least this story calls it my father. Instantly, we apply work teaching practically to ourselves. We're already a little higher. The very moment that we begin to apply work teachings to ourselves, and we stop applying them to other people. We actually apply them to ourselves. In that instant, we're already a little higher. We're already a little bit better off. We already are not stumbling where we once stumbled. We're already not stubbing our toe where we always stubbed our toe in that spot. We're already a little bit above that. We're not as vexed as we once were with people and events. Somebody says something to us, we would normally take it negatively, but we're a little higher, and it just passes right below us. Below us, We don't care. It just doesn't matter. It, it, it doesn't affect us. In other words, the belt doesn't turn the wheel. It slips a cog. It just slips a little bit, and it doesn't turn the wheel. It's like, wow, that was interesting. Now, of course, there are some people who think they can do that all the time. At least they flatter themselves thinking that they can do that all the time. But we know where flattering ourselves gets us. It's squandering our estate. Self-remembering is good food that lifts each cell of the body, allowing us to live at a slightly higher level inside ourselves. Self-remembering is food. It's rich, powerful, light food. It's not heavy, greasy, nasty, clogging food. It's light, cleansing, healing food. Self-remembering is a good psychological diet. Self-flattery is a greasy cholesterol-filled, junky, fattening diet. And what it gets fat is in anything that you want to get fat. I mean, is it ever? 
Make me as one of your hired men. Make the teaching of the work your father, whom you will serve and obey. Look, you've got to serve somebody. You're either going to serve life or you're going to serve something higher. You're either going to let the belt turn you, the belt that's connected to life turn you, or you're going to let something higher turn you. Well, it should be so easy to just say, oh, well, I'll just change, the, change this. No, put the belt on that so that, that, so that something higher drives me and not life. Great, great idea, great idea. Now apply it. But what we find is that we have to apply it all the time. Now and now and now. Because it doesn't come naturally because we go back to the pigsty, because we go back to the basement, because we go back to the food that we have grown accustomed to. What kind of, what is, has anybody ever heard of comfort food? You know what comfort food is? I had a girlfriend once. Every time she got sick, she wanted to have Chef Boyardee's ravioli out of a can. Now, I would open the can and heat it for her. But I'll tell you, the smell of it, just the smell of it, made me nauseous. But it made her feel better. Even if she was nauseous, she'd eat that and she'd feel better. Oh, she'd be happy and she'd be smiling. And I would think, that is pig food. No offense to Chef Boyardee or those people who eat it. I'm sure the chef is a wonderful chef and I'm sure that he's going to live happily ever after in Chef Boyardee heaven. And the people who, and the people can probably go to heaven with him and eat all that food that they want. And that will keep heaven nice and pure for me because that food won't be where I'm going to be. So, comfort food. Comfort food, why? I said, why? Do you think that tastes so good? Why do you want that? Well, that's what we always had when I was sick and mom gave it to us and, and it always made me feel better. I had, a, I had a lot of girlfriends. I had another girlfriend once and she, uh, she, in the summer, she would always get depressed. And I would say, why, why are you depressed? It's a beautiful day. <laughs> this is a beautiful day. There's a beautiful, I was living in Florida. There's a beautiful state, you know. Look at this, all the stuff there is to do in the summer here. Oh, it just isn't right. I want to be home at the lake where we always went for the summer. And that's what we did in the summer. And I was like, okay. So she would spend her summer depressed because she wasn't where she thought she should, where she was when she was a child. Comfort food. Old associations. You see, the problem is, is that that is the food that we eat. That's the pig food that we eat. It's not available to you right now. But we long for it. We long to fill our bellies with the pods that the swine are eating. But it's not for you. You see, it's really not for you. But we still long to fill our bellies with the ravioli, or I want to go here, or I want to do this, I want to do that, because that's what will make me happy. And that's the way it was when everything was wonderful when I was a child. Well, you're not a child anymore, and everything isn't going to stay wonderful. This is life now, how it really is, and this is what we have to deal with. Now, we can deal with it by anesthetizing ourselves with comfort food and vacation and getaways, or we can face it. We can run from it, or we can sit with it. Make me as one of your hired men, so that you say, do this, and I do it. So that you say, come here, and I come there rather than longing to fill my stomach with the pig food, why don't I just eat what you tell me to eat? What something higher in me directs? We must think and reflect on what it means to remember oneself in the middle of life's stereotypical events. 
Nicole said, say to yourself, this is a typical situation that millions of others are in at the moment. And if you'll do that, it deprives that state of its unique taste. This is typical. This is what millions of people go through. Now, suddenly it's not like, yes, but this is mine. Oh, but the, I'm the only one. Why does this always happen to me? It doesn't. It happens to millions of people just like you. It happens to millions of people who are not like you. Because this is what life is here under 48 orders of law. And if you don't like it, get yourself under fewer laws. Get yourself under higher influences. Well, but that takes work. Well, it takes a lot of work to whine and sit in self-pity, too. We can acquire a taste for better food, but it takes time and effort, especially when we've been feeding all our lives at the trough. We grew up in pigsties around other pigs. What does that mean? It means that we acquired our tastes. We acquired our habits. We acquired our psychology. We acquired all this stuff from the people who raised us. What does it mean? Does it mean that they're animals, that they're machines, that they're unconscious? Yes. Yes, that's what it means. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that's what it means. You have my apologies, but that's what it means. It means that you will do what they do. You will be like them unless you do something differently now. Unless you start to eat a better diet, a diet of self-remembering instead of a diet of old associations instead of a diet of negative emotions, instead of a diet of internal considering, instead of a diet of all the stuff that we've always done before. Yes, there's much we must do. It's true. It's a long road back. But the beautiful thing about this story that I, I think, the, I think one of the beautiful things about this story, and he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, and believe me, people, we are a long way off. Now, some of you know that. <laughs> Painfully aware of that, of how far off we are. You're not flattering yourself with how great you are and how well you're doing and how you're doing the work and other people are not. You're not flattering yourself with that. You're feeling your nothingness. You're feeling the pain of having the illusion dissolved. The pain of looking yourself in the mirror and saying, oh no, that's what I am? This is what it's come to? You came to yourself, your real self, what this world made you. You came to that, you looked at that, and you went, oh, I think I'm going to be sick. Yeah, that's pretty horrible. I admit, that's pretty horrible. It's a long road back. But while we're on the way, the work will come part way to meet us when our hearts are right. And that's what this means. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. I'll tell you, you don't know what it's like to be kissed until you've been kissed by this work. You don't know what it's like to be embraced until you've been embraced by this work. Until you've tasted and seen what it really is, how good it is. And then... The things you have to go through, well, they're the things you have to go through. My question to you is this. Would you go through hell to get to heaven if there was no other way? Well, let's get going.
The linchpin of this work is the practical application of the ideas shared in the podcasts. If you'll go to solidrockvista.com, to the thoughts page, I've written a number of articles that will help you to practice the principles that we're sharing with you in the podcasts.